All right. Well, thanks, everyone, for coming on very short notice. Uh, we literally decided that we were going to do this in the last hour. Uh, we have uh, identified and arrested someone in uh, stranger sexual assault that took place uh, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, speaking with you this afternoon is going to be our Central District Captain Jason Friedman, uh, followed by Chief Mike Cobo. Captain? Thank you, Joel. Well, thanks, everybody, for coming today. Uh, obviously, sexual assault is an extremely serious crime, and when that's coupled with uh, uh, the stranger aspect as well as the level of violence that was used, it uh, becomes a priority for our district and for my team. Uh, just to refresh uh, what happened uh, earlier this month on April 7th at approximately 3.30 a.m., uh, a 24-year-old victim, female, was uh, reported that she had been uh, sexually assaulted by a stranger near East Johnson and North Blair Street. Uh, she provided a limited uh, description at that time, and uh, that, that initiated our response to this case. Uh, my team of detectives, uh, many of whom are behind you right now, uh, worked around the clock uh, as a team, multiple shifts, uh, working with the victim, uh, utilizing the, uh, the investigative tools we had at our, avail at, our, at our availability in order to try to bring this person to justice. And, and fortunately, earlier today, we were able to make an arrest on that individual. There were a couple of, in addition to the hard work that they did, there were a couple of investigative tools that the detectives utilized that got us to a for, for the circumstances of this case, what actually was a very quick arrest, one of which uh, was our partners at the state crime lab, but the other critical factor in this was the, uh, the presence and availability of cameras downtown, and I want to turn that over to the chief now to talk a little bit more about that. So, Thank you, Captain. Yes, indeed. It's sort of one of those topical issues where in some of these cases you have the perfect storm where everything comes together and provides for a positive resolution. In this case, uh, a suspect in a, strain, a, a, a sexual assault investigation has been brought into custody. We have, as Jason mentioned, we have had the benefit of surveillance cameras that are out in public places, only looking at public spaces, and they have been extremely instrumental to our abilities to do the jobs in this current contemporary form of policing. I know that there are times that there have been voiced uh, objections, concerns, trepidation, but the fact of the matter is, is but for, but for surveillance cameras put out in public spaces, we wouldn't be having this conversation here today. And I say that because I know there's an awful lot of uh, angst about Big Brother is watching and what are those cameras going to be used for, and I can tell you what they're not going to be used for. They're not going to be used for any sort of uh, voyeurism or invasions of privacy. They're going to be used as they were intended to be used from our standpoint as a critical tool in a modern-day era where any public place, any public space is subject to our monitoring it, and it's for these reasons that I'm here taking on this part of the investigation. By the way, where these uh, cameras became very seminal, I want to give kudos to the mayor's office. When we were having a string of convenience store robberies, um, that was one of the impetus for me creating and working with the city attorney's office and asking for the mayor's permission to advance a 24-7 uh, uh, requirement as a part of a new business model 
about having cameras at convenience stores. But in conjunction with that, we also asked for a number of cameras to be put in prominent places of busy thoroughfares. And one of those was a, one of the newer cameras that we did acquire owing to that initiative, and that camera turned out to be extremely useful in this. In any event, to the heart of our continuing narrative, it was through these downtown surveillance cameras that our officers, our detectives, spent a great deal of sweat equity, hours and hours and hours. We had a basic description of the vehicle, basic make, color, and so forth. We had proximity of time and space, and working from that very, very open-ended parameters then, our officers were able to walk that back. Detectives were able to look and surveil through all those public access ports, looking at parking places and spacings and ramps and all throughout the Isthmus area. And only after pouring through hours of that, we had something that was proximate to time, to place, to direction of travel, to what was uh, largely described as an open-ended investigation based on the victim's uh, account of what she thought the vehicle looked like. And owing to that became a filtering system, which again took hours and hours and hours. From that, they were able to get a make, a model, a plate, ran that through our databases, and of course ultimately found a person of interest. Um, there had been DNA uh, evidence left at the scene of this crime and so looking at what we had as a position of interest who had a previous criminal history and was in a state database when we asked our crime partners uh, at the Wisconsin State Crime Lab if they would be willing to expedite the DNA sample that we had recovered, they graciously agreed to do so. And from there what you then found is that we were able to get a match late yesterday. And from late yesterday, a fury of activity has then occurred in that we then created a SWAT operational plan, and SWAT was assisted by our Violent Crimes Unit, our uh, Special Investigative Unit, the Dane County Task Force, and of course, our brothers and sisters in patrol services. And uh, just a couple hours ago, we uh, found the, sus the suspect in an apartment on Flower Lane, uh, we tried to negotiate him out, uh, got nowhere, got a lot of promises and no action. Our SWAT team breached the door, entered, and took him out, Extra extracted him without incident. No one was hurt, no one was injured, and that applies to our officers as well. So uh, the name of the individual that uh, we are going to be tentatively charging with the charge of second-degree sexual assault for this matter is Dorian Wade. Now, Mr. Wade uh, has a, pri a prior criminal history of some import, so much so that you may be aware that MPD has, for over a decade now, had a focused deterrence program known as uh, Special Investigations Unit. And what we typically do, working with arm-in-arm -arm with our other law enforcement cohort, we identify some of this county's most prolific criminal histories people who are coming out of uh, the correction system or on pro parole or probation, typically they have created uh, for themselves quite a record of arrests and prosecutions and have usually involved uh, making layers of victims in their wake. The unique elements of this F uh, SIU program 
focused deterrence is that unlike a lot of uh, post-entry or post-exit programs that are out there, this is unique in that it's a, a, a sort of a, an opportunity to empower people like not, never before. People coming out of the prison system or have been looking at this as their last option are told, listen, we've got a deal that only you can make choices on. The deal is we will provide, working with social partners in the community, we will provide wraparound services heretofore that you may not have been able to avail yourself of whether it's housing, whether it's completing an education, whether it's an AODA treatment and ongoing assessment issue. Whatever those cases are, we're taking away all of the excuses which might otherwise lead you to reoffend. And for that, the quid pro quo, the this for that is that you promise that you're not going to offend or create any more victims for our community, but should you decide that you are going to not avail yourself of this unique offering, then I typically bring at a notification meeting all of our law enforcement partners as well as our prosecuting partners, the district attorney's office and the U.S. attorney's office. And these prosecutors make it emphatically clear that because of their records of uh, prolific crime, that this is the last gasp, the last stop, and there'll be zero tolerance, and that the severity of their crimes will be brought to bear and that they will prosecute like they've never prosecuted before and not allow anybody to have any wiggle room if convicted. And so it is my hope, of course, that when this person appears before the prosecution's office, that uh, they will rigorously and aggressively uh, stand by our oath together, our compact, our collaboration, to bring all the prosecutorial tools that they can that they can bring to bear on this matter, and that similarly we will see a judiciary, if in fact there is a conviction, that will avail themselves of the complete length of whatever sanctions can be made available. You know, we have an insidious crime of the worst kind when you're talking about sexual assault. And the community is put at great fear, particularly in those instances where there is a stranger sexual assault. That sends a riptide throughout the entire community and in fact, uh, given the fact that our victim is a, a part of the University of Wisconsin system, it also carries with it those implications for our career students that are living in and around our entire community. So today, um, I'm pleased that Things came together as quickly as they did, and we were able to resolve and affect an arrest, and it's my hope then that we will be rigorously supported by our other complementary players in the criminal justice system. Um, so in checking with the detectives, uh, it was video, surveillance video, that we had from cameras that gave us a car, not right. a, I'm sorry. A, a specific license plate or anything like that, but we saw images of a car that appeared to be following our victim. We found the victim walking from the downtown area out towards her home, and then we were able to see a car that was following her. So it was that image of that car that we had that wasn't, and you've seen some of those images, you can make out the make, the model, the approximate year, but you don't have a plate. 
So then the detective started pouring over all this other surveillance video, including some from parking ramps. And it was then that they were able to find a car that was similar to the one they saw in the video that was following the victim. And in looking at that video from the ramp, which gives you a much tighter picture, we were able to get a plate. So then we had a plate and we had a car. And we were also, also able to find images of our, at that time, person of interest. So that's what able, we were able to do is take the image of that person of interest, the license plate of the car, and then come up with a name. And then they were able to take that information when they had the name to the state crime laboratory and say, look, can you please expedite this? We have forensics from the scene. This individual who's our person of interest had DNA within the system. And so that was how the match was made, and that took place late yesterday. So I just wanted to, again, Thank you. I just wanted to, the detectives are following and working with this individual, uh, you know, at great length. So I just want to make sure you understand that what took place. Not yeah. that the chief had it wrong, but that, that's how it happens. Yep. Thank you. Want to get it right. Any other questions that? How, um, I mean, I don't want to talk too much about the victim in this situation, but I'm sure making an arrest has to be, you know, um, give peace of mind to her, to people that were working on this case. Talk about that a little bit. Sure. And again, there's a statutory element that requires it before we could even name or have this sort of uh, very public press account of what occurred. By statute, the victims have to be notified of those what has happened in terms of bringing some closure. Clearly, we have from the outset connected this person with victim support services. That will continue moving forward. And I think, again, what our community has to remember is that when we have primary victims, the absolute object of the attack, that doesn't begin to take into account her family, her friends, their secondary, tertiary. There are so many layers to victimology uh, that that's why we feel there was sort of a compelling sense of urgency to allow everyone to sort of digest the process that we are comfortable and confident in the steps taken that this is the one responsible for that assault. Do you yeah. think, based off of the, the way that um, this suspect was found, that there should be a need for some more surveillance in, in high-density areas around the city? Yes. Yes, I, I think that the... That the uh, those who are constantly assailing the sense of privacy issues have to understand that this is a brave new world we're in. The terms of engagement are such that what you do, what you, how you comport yourself in public, has never been protected by the Fourth Amendment. You have no expectation of privacy in public places, in public spaces, doing unlawful acts. We have never, nor will we ever, ever use our cameras to trespass or to be voyeuristic or to look or to pry into those areas which are unlawful to do so. But I think that the, you know, the diatribes and the, the, the posturing about how, how offensive this is to monitoring, if you continue to go down that path and talk about removing those tools, we will be forever hindered, hampered, and impeded in our ability to solve crimes. So we need to sort of all take a sort of forward-looking perspective, ad address the anomalies when we go astray, but give us the assumption of the doubt that we're constitutional officers of the court, and privacy means a great deal to us. So do victims. Do you 
Uh, you had mentioned the victim is a part of the University of Wisconsin system. Are you able to elaborate whether they're a student or what they're... It's my understanding she attends uh, as a student. So as the Chief's been talking about cameras, uh, part of my career is forever intertwined with the disappearance of Kelly Nolan uh, off of State Street, and so that was uh, 11 years ago. And we really had no cameras at that time. It is my firm belief that had we had the cameras we have today on State Street, that we'd be a lot closer to see they're solving Kelly Nolan's homicide or it'd be solved by now. So I think those of you in the media have also followed this week. This is the second case really in the last couple of weeks where our surveillance cameras in the downtown area have helped us identify a suspect, uh, the other one being Marvin Baker, who we believe committed an armed carjacking on State Street earlier this week. He's still at large. We haven't found him, but it was partially uh, because of surveillance images that we were able to identify him as a suspect. So we have the stranger sexual assault and we have an armed uh, carjacking, both of those cases now with suspects identified because of cameras and other hard work, obviously. And that was a complete stranger Yes, that as well. Okay. Sorry about the microphone. Yeah, so, yeah, both of those are stranger cases, as you know. Can you talk about, are there more and more of these stranger sexual assaults happening? Or, I mean, is there any trend, like an upward trend at all, or...? We see a lot of sexual assault investigations, and um, it is fortunate, frankly, that a lot of them, these are sort of the more of the rare variety. Not to say that they don't happen. I certainly do. I'm certain some of them are wholly and completely unreported to us, again, because of those victims' dynamics and, and whether you're coming forward or why. There's a lot of uh, moving pieces with that, and, and we understand that. But a lot of the sexual assaults that we do investigate are not wholly and completely unknown, or at least they have met uh, through some dating service, through an acquaintance at a party, at a bar, on social media platforms. But these tend to be more of the rare variety, relatively. And that's why I think there's a heightened sense of urgency when someone who was obviously uh, acting as a predator. There was literally, as the camera angles would show, that this car had seen this co-ed walking and had made a couple of passes. So. Other questions? Just to clarify, like she was alone walking? Yes. Okay. She'd been out with friends in the downtown area was walking. Uh, oh, okay. Thank you so much for coming on very Thanks. short notice.